Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of spiritual warfare. Today is a continuation of the previous program where I was speaking about the perception of the devil, that the devil had a perception of God, that he believed that God was a certain kind of God. And in taking this view of who God is, this perspective that the devil had about who God is, in taking this view, he decided to try and be like the Most High, using this perspective that he had concerning the living God. Now, at the end of the previous program, I was speaking about Job, the book of Job. And in this program, I'm going to begin in verse 6. This is Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, where it says, Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Now, this to me sounds like a very interesting conversation, especially when you consider where it's happening. It's happening in the presence of God. It is between God and Satan in front of the sons of God who came to present themselves. This is in a very public forum where they're having this exchange of words, and Satan is so bold as to accuse God. In this way, and I will come back to this accusation, this provocation in just a moment. But before I do that, I'd like to follow through with what I began at the end of the previous program, which is to say that Satan has a perception of God. He believes that this God is a God who provides people with protection and possession, that in a way, this is what it means to be the Most High. If you were to ask Satan, according to what he has said right here, if you were to ask him, so what does it mean to be the Most High God? What what does it mean to be God? Satan could reply, according to what he said, and he could say, well, it means that you are the one who protects your people. It means that you are the one who provides your people with possessions. But is that really what it means to be God? Is that what it really means to have a God? Is that what it really means to you? Is that how you see your God? Do you see him in that way, that that's what he's for? He's there in order to provide you with protection and provision and maybe a few other things, but that seems to be a priority or that seems to be his primary purpose in your life. 
is that really how you see your God? Because this is the way that Satan apparently sees God. What I was explaining at the end of the previous program was that if this is his perception, then he might take the position, he might believe, that if he may find people for whom he can provide them with protection and possession, then by default he is their God. He is like the Most High. He can declare that he has achieved success in being like the Most High. But is that really success? Well, it may be success from his point of view. But if this is his definition, and according to what I just read, I believe that this could very well be a partial definition for him with regards to what it means to be God. If this is true, if I say that this is true, then I can say with great conviction that Satan has a very twisted view of what it means to be God. And if this is really his view, if this really is the case, then when he declares success, when he declares victory, that he has succeeded to be like the Most High, he has failed. He has deceived himself with something that certainly is not true, is not real, and he has failed. Now, does that offend you in some way by chance? I mean, by me suggesting that the devil has failed, he he has completely failed, he thinks that he has succeeded, but he hasn't. If you're a Christian, I don't think you would have a problem with this to recognize that he really has failed in his personal pursuit in trying to be like the Most High. This is something that I believe really needs to be expressed. It really needs to be explained. Because we have a God who relates to us in a different way. We really do. You know, there are many Christians who don't see this, unfortunately, and this is one of the reasons why I want to put so much effort into explaining this. I want to put a lot of effort into this because I want you to help me to communicate this to other people. I want other people to know, not just you who are listening to this right now. I want you to to help me. Go and speak with people yourself. Help me to continue the work that I am doing. It doesn't matter how it's done. Just get this message out. That there are many people who believe that that's what God is for them. That's who he is for them that he is just some being out there who gives them protection from their enemies and who provides them with possessions. Think about the way that people pray to him. Consider that. What what are their prayers? How do they really express themselves in their prayers? In general, it comes down to the fact that they just want some stuff from God. They want his protection. They want him to do something for them. They don't truly express Some do, of course, I understand that. But in general, I'm just speaking in general, out of the majority who I personally have come in contact with, who I've interacted with, in general, they do not look to know who their God is. They don't really pursue a knowledge of Him. They just want to know what He's going to deliver to them, what He's going to do for them. Well, what about who He is? Is there any interest in that whatsoever? Consider the subject of worship. There are many people who believe that that's what God wants. And I can, of course, certainly appreciate the value of worship. But what I mean by saying that they believe that this is what he wants is that they they relate to him as if he's not really going to be God until we worship him. That's what I mean, is that he's some being out there who just simply is not going to feel complete. He's not going to really feel like the Most High unless he's got a lot of people who are worshiping him. 
This is a perception that a lot of people have, and they follow through with that by saying that if we worship him adequately, then he'll deliver a bunch of stuff to us. Then he'll provide us with a bunch of protection. These are views that I believe are very much inadequate. I, I really do. I believe that they are inadequate. Certainly, he enjoys our worship towards him. I really believe that he enjoys providing us with protection and possession. That's not what I'm trying to convey. What I'm trying to convey is that people have this perception of who he is and what his interests truly are. And I don't believe that those interests and that those views are real. I really don't. The example that I can show you here in Job chapter 1 concerning what Satan has to say to God, what he has to say to him directly and publicly in front of his people, that this is an attitude that Satan has. So if this is true, if this really is what he believes, can you appreciate his interest in this regard, that he would believe that he has achieved success when he gets people worshiping him, when he finds people that he can provide things for, when he can provide them with protection and other things. These are the perceptions that he has, and I believe that the rest of the demons share in this belief. They share in this opinion concerning God. They believe that this is what it means to be like God. Now, this, of course, is not true. It's not true. And I'm curious to know, this is an unanswered question for me, I am curious to know to what degree the demons and Satan himself, to what degree they experience some sense of satisfaction. I mean, are they really satisfied? Do they really feel complete? Do they really feel they have truly accomplished something? That they are like the Most High? I mean, do they really believe that? I personally don't think so, or at least I personally cannot relate to that. But that, of course, describes my limitation more than my lack of understanding, I suppose, that I simply have the limitation of not being able to relate to them because they are different beings than I am. But these are some open questions that I have that I hope to speak with the Lord about one day, that he can give me some insights concerning these things to help me understand to what degree the demons perhaps feel some sense of success when they are the gods of this world, and yet they still are not like the Most High. To me, that is an element of failure, and I believe that they should experience some sense of shame and regret, remorse, and perhaps repent over that in some way, but I don't think that's going to happen in that way. There is another passage that I'm going to address, and that's in Isaiah concerning the perception of the devil, but there's one more thing that I would like to mention here. In Job chapter 1, In Job chapter 1, verse 9, where it says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Now, this is a very provocative, this is a provocative statement that Satan is presenting to the Lord, that if the Lord will withdraw the possessions and protection, then Job will curse him. It's a provocative statement that inherently suggests, I believe that the devil is implying, that he is effectively poking at the Lord, saying, you know what, you are not really who you say you are. 
You say that you're about something more than just protection and provision. So why don't you show me? Why don't you prove it to me? Take away the things that you've given to him. Take away the protection, and you'll see that you don't really have a personal relationship with Job, not in the way that you suggest that you do. And I'm going to show you that that is the case. In a certain way, he could be telling the truth because Job would have a limitation, being spiritually dead before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. During this time in history, he would have a very limited experience with his God, not having the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Not like we can have today, as a result of the gospel, because of what the Lord Jesus did on our behalf. And so there could be an element of truth to that, to the extent where there would be some limitations concerning the. Personal interactive relationship that would take place between the Lord and Job, but still, in the midst of that, what I would like you to see is that Satan provokes God with the real heart of the matter, provokes him with a statement that perhaps might be a way of Satan defending his position that this is what it means to be the Most High. This is what it means, and just to show you that this is what it means, go ahead and take these things away. And when Job curses you, then it will be a way of validating Satan's belief that this is what it means to be God, because there would be nothing else that would keep Job from cursing God. There would be nothing else because Job had nothing else. There was no other relationship between Job and the living God that would be of value to him to the extent that he would be willing to give up. All of his possessions, he would be willing to give up all of his protection. Is there truly nothing else? Is there truly nothing more? Because if the Lord says that there is supposed to be, and that that is what makes him unique, that no other demon can replicate or imitate, then let's see it happen. Let's see it happen right here and now. Now, of course, Job certainly did not handle the situation very well when the Lord allowed. The devil to invade upon his life. We can read about that throughout the book, but that certainly does not mean that there was a failure on God's part. I believe that there should be a limitation. That Job should experience a sense of deep frustration, perhaps to the extent where he would curse God. He certainly questioned him. That, to me, describes the limitation. That the living God and Job would have with each other before the crucifixion and resurrection, but afterwards, consider the believers today. You, if you are a believer, you may not feel this way right now. I certainly can testify that there was a time in my life when I did not feel this way. But there are, are many of us, myself included, at the present time, who would be willing to let go of all of our possessions. We are willing to let go of all of the protection of God. If that's what he decides, if that's what he chooses, and we can follow through with that, we can live with that because there is something else, there is something more. I have my God dwelling within me. He leads me. He guides me. He teaches me. He shows me the world through His eyes. He allows me to hear the world through His ears. Is that not enough? That is enough. Would I dare ever curse God? Absolutely not. If I lose everything that I have, everything that I have left, if I lose it all, if I lose my family, if if that's what I lose, would I curse God?
There would be no way that that would possibly occur. I really believe that I could stand firm in the midst of that, that this kind of accusation or provocation that the devil might present to the Lord or present against me would certainly never come to pass because there is something unique that I can have with my God now through the new covenant that Job did not have accessible to him, that he did not have in the same way that I do now. So there are some differences, and I believe throughout the course of time, the Lord has demonstrated that these differences can be very real. And so following through with the theme that I would like to stay with in this program, the theme of the perception of the devil, the perception of Satan, with regards to what does it really mean to be the Most High, and is that is that something that is real? Is that a real definition? Consider Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. But is that really what it means to be the Most High? Going back up to verse 13, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Just because you ascend into heaven, does that mean that you are like the Most High? Is is that what it means? Consider the testimony of Job in Job chapter 1. There he was. He was there. He was in heaven. Did that make a difference? No. It's not going to make a difference. But that is what he was saying about God. That that seemed to be what it meant to be God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Does the elevation of your throne really make a difference? Does its geographical positioning really make a difference? Does it really matter where the chair is? Is it really about the chair? No. So why would he say that? I mean, is that really what he thinks it means to be the Most High? I think it might be. I think that might be a description of just how uninformed Satan really is concerning what it means to be the Most High. I will also sit on the Mount of the Congregation. Well, good for you, okay? I mean, so you sit on the Mount of the Congregation. What difference does it make where you sit, even if you have a chair there or not, on the farthest sides of the north? Is that really what it means, to be on the farthest sides, to be out there? You know, to be out there, kind of on the side, in an area where people find you to be unreachable? Is that what it, will, if you accomplish that, will you be the most high? Will you feel like you are God? Is that really what it means to be the most high? Absolutely not. It does not mean that. That is not what it means at all. But I can testify of that. I can say that that's not what it is because I know of something else. I know of something different, something that he could not have known, something that could not have been realized outside of what the Lord has been able to accomplish here in this world that he made. Consider the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of God, what he accomplished through the crucifixion. He demonstrated his love for us in such a way that he died for us. He demonstrated his love that he stepped out from heaven, 
He stepped away from there. He descended from heaven. He did not ascend into heaven. Did he bring his throne with him? No. He didn't have his throne when he was here ministering as the Lord Jesus. Did he sit on the mount of the congregation? He did only to present a few things and then he left. He did not use that as as the place where he would establish his kingdom in some way. He did not use the mount of the congregation as some exclusive location that only he was able to utilize. And was he on the farthest sides of the north? Was he distant from people? No. He was with us. He worked with us. He ate with us. He lived with us. He experienced suffering with us. He lived with his disciples for many years, walking and talking and experiencing life with them. Does that sound like someone who's sitting on the farthest sides of the north somewhere and that that's what it means to be God? No, we know a God who knows what it means to be the Most High in a different way. To him, to be the Most High means that he is a person who interacts with his people in a personal way. When I think of my God, and I think of him as being the Most High, that's who I see. I don't see a God who's distant from me. I see one who is with me, who is within me, who will never leave me, who will never forsake me. Do I see a God who is on his throne somewhere, in some elevated position above the stars? No! I see a God who sits with me, who will walk with me, who will rest with me, who will work with me, who will live with me as I live, who will allow me to be a part of what he is doing, and he wants to be a part of what I am doing. Does that sound like the Most High that Satan describes here in Isaiah? No. So when Satan claims that he wants to be like the Most High, and somehow this is his description of that, Does he really believe that when he accomplishes these things that he will have achieved success? He might. And if he does, I feel bad for him in that way. I mean, I feel bad for him a little bit, just in the sense that he's deceived. Because there is something else, and it's too bad that he missed out on it. As close as he was to the Lord, as close as he was, as much as he had personal direct interaction with him, He missed it all. He completely missed everything about the heart of God. That we have a God who is willing to give up his own life existence, per se, in the abstract way that he did that through his life here on earth and through his death and following through with his resurrection. He can now experience something new as he experiences the new covenant with us as we live it together. There is so much more to our God that is beyond just these simple descriptions. We, as believers, are the only ones who will ever, I believe we are the only beings that he has ever created, who can truly embrace what it means to rest in the forgiveness of God, who will ever be able to comprehend what it means to be accepted by God, who will ever be able to understand what it really means to be loved by our God. The demons, the angels, Satan, they will never be able to understand that in the same way that you can. And when you understand these things, you will know 
what it means to say that he is the Most High. To you, that will have a different definition than this. You won't think of him in the way that Satan thinks of him. You know him for who he really is, in the depths of his being. You know him in a way that all the angelic beings missed. These are things that I believe they long to look into, but that they will never truly comprehend. You are a unique person in the universe. If you are a believer, according to the gospel and the new covenant, you are a very unique person that you get to know the real Most High that no one else will outside of the new covenant. Pray about these things and ask the Lord to show you the depth of what I'm describing. I believe that this is a very important element of the subject of spiritual warfare for you to see that this is a victory in the war, that there is a conflict, there is a battle, and yet there is an enormous victory that has occurred through all of this, through all the pain and through all the suffering. When you think of the Most High and who He is, you will know Him in a way that no one else ever could. No one else ever will outside of the rest of us who are also children of God. So think about the devil from this point of view. Think about the demons from this point of view. Are they really that smart? Are they really that impressive? When you consider that these angelic beings look at the Most High, they see where he sits on his throne, they see how he interacted with people, and they thought that they could be like him. Are they really that smart? Do they really know that much? People think, ooh, the devil, ooh, the demons. They really are not as smart or as impressive as people make them out to be. They really don't know that much. They really believe. Do you know people like this? I know people like this. They really believe that appearances are more important than the depth of reality that if we can just get the appearances right, then somehow that makes things real. But they pretend. They are pretenders and they are actors in every part of who they are. Do not fear them. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net